some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. It's actually attacked two railroad workers, uh, killed livestock. You know, just a lot of weird stuff that was going on. This is your host, Gunnar Monson, on this kind of wet and dreary Sunday afternoon on the Oregon coast. Um, I want to bring a couple things to your attention. Up, uh, coming up on September 2nd through the 4th is the first ever international Bigfoot conference that's going to be held up in Kennewick, Washington, um, being hosted by uh, Russ and Kelly Accord and Mr. Ed Brown. You may ask yourself, who is Ed Brown? Uh, and you could probably find out by Googling it. But uh, that's been a running joke. In fact, uh, Ed was at uh, Beachfoot a couple weeks ago, and uh, he had that actually on his pickup. So, And I know that there is a uh, a great lineup of, of speakers. Uh, Dr. Meldrum's going to be there. Uh, John Bendernagel, Lauren Coleman, uh, Adam Davies, uh, Ken Gearhart, of course, uh, Derek Randall's of the Olympic Project, and I think uh, uh, Bob Gimlin's going to be there, and of course Cliff. Shane and I are speaking. Mm-hmm. And just added uh, is was uh, finding Bigfoot's Cliff Berrickman is is going to also be presenting. So it's a uh, schedule. I was looking at it um, a little bit ago, and they. Uh, have a lot of speakers. It should be a good time, and they're giving away a uh, four brand new four wheel uh, four wheeler. So um, I've never been yeah. to a, a conference that gave away such a nice uh, door <laughs> prize. But I was looking at it, and uh, yeah. Um, and uh, also, what is that? Oh, a giant TV. So a forty six inch TV. So not, uh, but a bunch of stuff. So it's it's going to be a good time. Um, Shane and I are working on our presentation and uh, are excited to share stuff with you. So if you can make it up there, uh, September, it's over Labor Day weekend. Uh, join us in Kennewick, Washington. 
and uh, it'll be a great time. Also coming up in a couple weeks, uh, the Eugene Emeralds in Eugene, Oregon uh, minor league baseball team is having a Sasquatch Awareness Night, and uh, my good friend Todd Neese and I will be there. Uh, I'll be throwing out the ceremonial first pitch, and and uh, Todd will be doing a little presentation um, during uh, a break in the game, and we'll have a table there uh, talking to people about our favorite uh, subject. So uh, I want to thank Retman Mullis of Bigfootology for uh, hooking us up with that. It it's, uh, should be fun again. Um, also, uh, The Haunted Sea with Scott Martis. We have a new episode that we will be uploading here uh, in the next couple days. Scott spent uh, a, a good month up at uh, Lake Champlain looking for um, camp, the the uh, lake monster of Lake Champlain, and uh, it's look for that episode coming out pretty quick. So, and with me as always is my good friend and Bigfoot researcher Shane Hardcore Corson. Shane, how are you? Uh, well, Gunner, doing well. Uh, looking forward to the show and. Uh, and uh, had a great weekend, so I'm doing well. Thanks, uh, thanks for asking. And uh, did you? I, I understand you got out in in the field a little bit this weekend. Yeah, uh, shoot, I've been out so much this year. I had a little lull here, uh, not much of a lull. Just been really busy, but yeah, finally made it back out to to Tillamook Forest and uh, with Larry Turner and uh, got some stuff accomplished out there. Uh, had a pretty quiet night. Nothing to report back. Um, reviewing audio and got some interesting stuff on audio, uh, but I have so much to go through. It's it's scary. So uh, maybe down um, the road here we'll we'll have a, a show on on some of the research we're doing out in that particular area because um, uh, we do have some some pretty pretty interesting audio um, collected over this just this past year as well as the past, but. Uh, yeah, hope to get out there a few more times. We just got, you know, this time of year, it's just really busy um, in the Bigfoot world. <laughs> so I have a lot going on. I got, I mean, pulled in 20 different directions. Um, time to focus and, uh, and uh, you know, do what we do. And looking forward to maybe doing a show on, on some of the stuff that we're collecting. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you have the this thing called the day job, which – which uh, inter- keeps interfering with your big footing. I, I know about uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know all about that. You're you're one of the busiest guys when it comes to running a business and uh, businesses and uh, <laughs> trying to uh, uh, partake in a in a passion and uh, whatnot. So wow. <laughs> well, with us today is uh, Ben Freed, a good friend of ours that uh, um, is part of Bigfoot Ops that uh, researches up in Washington. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to bring bring uh, Ben on. Hey, Ben, how are you, buddy? Doing good, thank you. Doing good. They have me on there. Appreciate it. So, so by the way, uh, ben, I heard about the conference thing there. So, yeah. you hear me? Yeah, okay. I can hear you. Okay, I just, want to, I just want to make sure you don't, you know, mess up my four wheel. You just scratch on it when you're there at the conference. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll take care of it. Polish, will you? <laughs> so, so Ben, Oregon. Well, today it's a little on the damp side, but 
but uh, generally been pretty good. It's been kind of a uh, uh, coolish summer for uh, uh, compared to last year. Last year was uh, super hot. Um, a lot of the, the water sources were really low. Um, Susan and I went out and did a, a hike last year, and uh, we hiked up by the Nahalem River, and uh, I'd never seen it so low. So but there's a little bit more water this year, so that's that's good right for up. getting out. You and, your toes anyway. <laughs> so, Ben, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, how you got interested in Bigfoot. Ooh, how I get part of that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I always get these uh, things in here. I'm trying to do two things at once. I'm going to get to stop doing this right here. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I've kind of just been a this regular old guy out here in the woods and everything. And uh, what got me started in this was got to be out with my granddaughter when I was up in Ashford uh, looking for a fishing spot. Now, mind you, I never believed in Bigfoot. You know, didn't have any qualms about it or whatever. A couple of people were just crazy. And then went in into two of them on the June, was it June 29th, I believe, or the 25th? I can't remember exactly. And I ran into two of them. To my knees, I was just kind of shocked that, you know, they are real. So anyway. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, sorry. so <laughs> yeah. you had you had that... This this encounter and I mean, pretty amazing. You, uh, did you ever grow up watching any of the the, the Bigfoot shows or I, anything like that? I mean, you just kind of thought it was uh, a myth. Yeah, I did. I, well, I didn't pay much attention. I remember seeing the uh, Patterson Gimlin film back when I was I think when it first came out. I don't know if that was '69 or something like that. But anyway, uh, I had seen that, but it was not. You know, you didn't really register. I was just a kid, so. Right. Most time I, yeah, I've been an avid hunter out in the year, for over the years, and I've ran into anything, anything, anything strange out there. So, it's all from the military, you know. So there's, it just didn't dawn on me to be something out there, you know. Like I said, I thought most people were just crazy, seeing things, hearing things, or whatever. So, right, right. You, the, so you had this. Uh, you're out looking for a fishing spot. Can you go into a little bit more detail as to? Uh... Yes, yes, yes. Well. What I was doing, looking down to get a fishing spot down by the Nisqually River, up there by Ashford. I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people have probably been up there anyway. And I think it was around 3 o'clock or whatever in the afternoon. It was like about 81 or 2 degrees then. Sun shining, no big thing, you know. Yeah. And there was birds and mosquitoes and everything else that shine up by the rivers there. So, anyway... I remember everything all at once here. <coughs> so, anyway, so I was going out there. We were trying to get down by the river, trying to find a spot to fish. Anyway, I was going down through this draw, and all of a sudden, everything just went completely quiet. You know, like somebody hit a switch or whatever. And just I thought that was kind of strange. And about, probably about a minute later, I started hearing these strange screams. I was what is that? You know, and I kept on hearing it, hearing it. I could hear him getting closer. They see it, but that way I only heard one at first. But anyway, it was actually a female who was calling it. I know that now because after six years you figure things out. <coughs> so anyway, 
I sit there and I said, well, I'm going to get back to the hill and see what's going on here. So I called, went back to the hill with my granddaughter. We were sitting behind the tree. I happened to have my camera with me because I always take my camera with me to, to go fishing for, you know, you take grandkids out and take pictures of fish, whatever. So anyway, I seen this spot and I think it was about mm-hmm. 75 feet away. I see these trees moving and stuff like that. And you hear a lot of breath and it's all the screaming going on at the same time. So I was standing there going, wow. You know, I said, what, what was that or whatever. Anyway, um, as I was sitting there staring at his tree and everything, I know something off to my left started screaming too. I'm going, wow, okay. But at the same time, you kind of darn it when you start thinking back and says, well, I've been out here hunting all these years. I've never heard anything like that. It's a lot of, I mean, it was just your piercing screams. And I thought, well, here it is, me on late afternoon. Not, you know, there shouldn't be anything out here. It's not a bear, it's not an elk. Not a deer. I've heard everything. Just uh, I've heard cougar. I've heard everything. And so it, you know, you get to think back. I said, well, and let's be Bigfoot then. You know, comes across your brain like that. So anyway, you think these two creatures start moving in towards me, and I got you know, I get a little upset there. I got a little scared, even though I carry a gun with me all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, anyway, my do- granddaughter started getting really scared, and she got. She started crying and stuff, and my daughter just got back from South Africa. And she was talking about these wild dogs from Africa. So I got on the phone trying to get a hold of my son because it was so loud that I figured I'd get him on the phone. He could hear these things, you know. And I was telling him, hey, this is, this is a Bigfoot or whatever you want to call it. But anyway, so I got on the phone. This, this went on for like 20, 25 minutes at least, and I'm trying to get a hold of my son. I got a hold of my daughter-in-law. She's got kids screaming in the background, TV going and stuff, and she's barely hearing them scream or whatever, you know. And she says, well, she might want to wake my son up. <laughs> and I said, you know, whatever. And long story short, so they went on screaming and stuff, and I got, it kind of scared the heck out of me for a while there. But anyway, they heard my granddaughter screaming, and all of a sudden they just stopped. You know, and I could hear a lot of heavy brush movement and stuff going on. You know, the, the, the vibration. You know, they were getting pretty close, but there was a really thick area of brush. So anyway... Uh, as soon as they heard her, they kind of stopped, and then you could detect you hear them run off. You hear bipedal running. But you could tell it was really heavy running. So, anyway, that's what started me down that road. I figured, well, I would go up, take and uh, I went back home, thought about it, and I was kind of like sick up a little bit. Anyway, I went back to my wife. She thought I was crazy, of course. You know, but my granddaughter told her the same thing. She said, yeah, these, these wild dogs, whatever, you know. You know how those wives are. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I waited for that too. I knew you were going to say, uh-huh. anyway. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll get on the internet, you know, and I happened to look at BFO site. Anyway, I made a contact with them, you know, and uh, I think it's about well, four or five days later, I got a call from Scott Taylor, and he actually came out and checked out the site. He said, well, can we go up there and all that kind of stuff? So sure, so we went up there. So you get looking around. And he actually found some 17 years tracks from where, you know, where they were at. He said, he said, yeah, it sounds like it's Bigfoot related or whatever. So that's what started me down this road. So I sit there and told Scott, I said, well, you know, I said, well, give me three or four days. I'll track these down, you know, and we'll just find them, you know, get some pictures, whatever. You know, he kind of laughed there. And here I am six years later still tracking them. So actually I found them, you know, like three years back, but, actually up on a hill up there in Ashford. So 
so me and Chuck's been out there in that area for the last three years out there researching. And that's Chuck Matthews, by the way. But that's just about my story. It got me started. Not that interesting, but, that's what, and, you know, like about, I'll probably say about $75,000 later, I'm still doing this stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, when you get heavily involved in this, uh, money starts flying. Um, yeah, equipment, everything, you know. You, you got to better RVs and stuff, and then you turn those into research rigs. <laughs> just ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, I heard, Ben, that you, you recently uh, redid up your rig. Is that, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but to see it yet, but. Yes. Just got, uh, <laughs> well, you've seen it out there. <laughs> you know, the little OP. Yeah, sure. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. And it was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you, you need to see all the inside because, you know, we're sitting up there some thermal cameras on it, you know, 360 degrees view. You also can listen from the inside there because you can the parabolics now. So it's kind of, it, it's a lot more than that. But unless you get to sleep in comfort and take a shower and watch your monitor all at the same time if you want to. So. Right. Got well, those um, stickers all over. Yeah, you got. I mean, it's it's an impressive uh, vehicle. Like you said, you got everything you need in 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 one spot, and the the camera setup, uh, your thermal. It's pretty. You can do it from inside. Uh, inside right. your, yes. your your yeah, and that's that's pretty dang cool. Well, you also get to listen from inside too, so you can actually sit there, and I don't have to sit on a pair. Of, uh, what I've been doing all this time is actually researching stuff and doing a lot of RD on new equipment. When we get out there. It's a little bit easier. I have to say it's going to be lazier man's way of doing things, but uh, you still got to get out and the brush and run around a little bit and everything. But this at night when you're freezing and stuff like this, it'd be like eight degrees out there. Hey, you, got, you want to make sure you have all the luxuries of home, that's for sure. So you have to for two or three days. So. All right, it's a it's a mobile it's a mobile command unit, an expensive mobile command unit at that. Yeah, uh, and, and you're yeah, and you're constantly modifying it. I assume. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> all the time I'm trying to add people stuff to it back and forth. Plus, like the wife, you know, she wants to use it for RVing and stuff. I had it up in Idaho and Montana just recently, so up there looking around and stuff. So, and you people in Idaho, just to let you know there is Bigfoot um, Sam in Idaho. I actually heard him when I was out there. So, yeah, you uh, you you sent me a ton of audio, and a lot of it I've heard before, but some of it was new to me. And, uh, really interesting audio. I couldn't get it um, downloaded in time for the show. Had a few technical difficulties, but we'll definitely either have you back on or include the, some of the audio pieces in in the Montrex, uh, uh not just the fan page, but just our, our group, and, and maybe we'll get it on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. It's a uh, pretty dang interesting audio. Unfortunately, like I said, couldn't get it for the show. But uh, well, I try to put ben, some controversial stuff on here because some of the people, you know, they like the owl thing. They always like to say the owls. You know, mm-hmm. we actually got cops to mimicking owls and stuff, like the mimic animals and stuff. So, you know, and we try to have our stuff verified through uh, Dave Ellis. You know, uh-huh. other people is really good to take a look at it. Just, you know. Yeah. David Ellis, you know, the OP, he's got a very keen eye and has an absolute yes, library of known animals and some of them, the more unknown, <laughs> possibly uh, right. Bigfoot. So, um I always, unlike you, I send a lot to to David Ellis amongst other people. Yeah. But David Ellis really, you know, if I have a question, he'll answer it and he'll be, give his honest opinion. So that's what I appreciate, and that's what you know what is needed. Um, 
great guy to work with. But then, so you had this, this basically this kind of audio encounter uh, with these vocalizations and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got a hold of the BFRO. It, it's, you know, uh, kind of like the same path many, many people take when they start getting into this, into the research aspect of, of uh, Sasquatch. They have this encounter. Um, they can't explain it. Um, then they, they contact somebody, like the BFRO, for example, and, uh, and you, you, Scott Taylor, I know Scott Taylor, uh, mm-hmm. you contact him and he comes out there and stuff. But where does that leave you at the end of the day? And what, what led up to you uh, forming your, your Bigfoot Ops group? Yeah, well, I noticed when I got on the Internet, you know, you, you see, when you first get on there, you know, when you're first starting out and this stuff, there's just so much bizarre stuff, you know, just weird altogether. You know, you get this thing, they're doing this, and people tell you to do this, and tell you, to, you know, and I thought, well, you, you're getting pulled in half a dozen directions trying to figure out stuff, you know. Half of it you just got to put to the side, you know, and find out almost all of it you got to figure out for yourself in the field. Um, I think when I was talking to Scott, you know, he always, everybody thinks they're crazy. You know, I didn't really care because everybody thinks I'm crazy anyway. But getting out there, putting this all together, you know, just getting over the things and deciding, you have to decide what you want to do. You know, when you're going to find out, you know, I basically wanted to find out about these creatures, I'm to say creatures, you know, what their habits are, their patterns or whatever, you know, it was, just, it was for me. It wasn't to be out there in the world for gain of, you know, celebrity status or whatever, because there is none. To me, there is really anything. Everybody's, you know, if you talk to Bob Gimlin and everything, he's just a regular guy, too. I mean, a lot of nice people out there, but you know, a lot of people out there just, I hate to say it, they're just crazy. I mean, they come up with stuff that is totally off the wall. I can't, you know, I can't. You know, and I always ask him, where's your proof at, you know, to show that even that's even going on. And I'm not even going to the root factor, you know how that is. Yeah. But anyway, uh, and what started the group is I was actually out with my sons all the time. I have sons of probably about your age. You know, we were all military. I was part of the military. My sons were actually still in. Um, and we decided when, you know, we sit down talking about this, because, you know, they believe these are big we just had to really start gridding out these areas and start checking out all these areas and stuff like we do in the military. And so that's what we basically started our tracking. That's what we decided. But then just started going on and says, oh, we should start a group or whatever. And that's how we ended up doing this. Actually, my sons don't go out with me anymore. One's in Nebraska and the other one, you just burn out from it, you know. Because I've run through a lot of people where they come out here and, you know, they want to have their, their little experience or whatever, and that's just for them. So, you know, they're not made for the hardcore. I mean, that's that's what's great about, you know, working with Chuck, you know, phenomenal researcher, that we'll say. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is that, you know, we, he sticks with the grindstone. Nobody, you know, we, we're, it's, it's developing a passion for this. So that's exactly what it does. It's develop a passion for it, you know, to go out and enjoy the woods and the research. So, and that's how it got me down this whole thing, this, military, the, the whole background and stuff on this, you know, just finding out what these these guys are. Mm-hmm. Still looking, you know, we're still finding out information to this day, so even if you don't find anything, you find out good information, so. Yeah. You know, I, I met I met you and Chuck and, and uh, some of you guys' sons uh, several years ago up at an Olympic Project event, and 
when my first impression was like, wow, these guys are these guys are hardcore. I mean, you guys were dressed and prepared um, for the outing and seemed to have all your ducks in a row. You guys, uh, you guys look like a military unit. Quite honestly, it was it was impressive, and uh, I was like, wow, these guys are these guys are got their they got their stuff together here, <laughs> and uh, they really. Uh, so I mean, I, it really intrigued me to get to know you guys, and um, what an absolute pleasure it was at that time to go out on the field with you, and kind of uh, you know I know what the Lynn Project's about, but I really had no idea what Bigfoot Ops at that time was about. I dug deeper and got to hang out with you guys on the field, and uh, they, uh, it was impressive. And you guys really moved stealthy. Um, you had your objectives and your goals, and um, I was just impressed with your organization at that time. And it really uh, got the wheels turned in my head to really uh, get to know you guys and what you're about. Um, and you probably remember, I think, I don't know if that was your first time out to the OP or not, but. Uh, um, yeah, uh, but yes. you guys is, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you know, when I was out there, I was actually impressed with OP altogether. I mean, you know, there's good minds there. I didn't have a lot of this craziness, like to say. You know, people were, I mean, scientific minds, people were, you know, they're dedicated to one thing, and that's what that was all about. You know, that's hosted by Derek Reynolds, which is great, you know, a great guy, too. You know, even though he's got, Gunner there with him, you know, we're just going to talk about it here. I'm sure he's not on here, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just just from his coffee all day, you know, but what can he possibly yeah, add to it? <laughs> no, actually, just joking. I know Gunner's actually very good at what he does, too. I mean, you guys are great researchers also, and that's what, uh, that's the whole key. You're not, you're, you're researching. You're not out here, you know, you're not, I don't know, you got your investigators, you have your internet in, investigators, I want to call them, you know, but you guys have been out in the field, so it's you know it's great to share that information about being out in the field. That's what that's what I was looking for all along. It was you know people out in the field where you can share some knowledge, you know. That's the whole key, this whole thing. I always, you know, keeping things followed up or whatever and keeping them secrets is clean, stupid. We have we have all the same goals in mind, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, but to sit there and talk to you know the Meldrum and uh, Ron Moorhead and all these guys, you know, all these people have been out there in the field, so that's what the whole key is. That's what I like about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, you, that's you, what we can relate into our teamwork. So. Right. You nailed on the head there, though. Teams. Yeah, you nailed on the head there. And, and, and I'm liking what I'm liking about the future of this sort of investigation, this sort of research, is that there are more and more people actually willing to share their info, their experiences, uh, their data uh, collectively and with other groups. Uh, I mean, groups that, uh, you know, that are using the scientific method, that are um, very much about getting to the bottom of this and, and really doing their due diligence and, and, and moving forward. Uh, and really the only way to do that is to collaborate uh, and, and not bottle up all this stuff. You know, uh, uh, you know, there's yeah. always that that uh, one in a billion chance that you'll come across a body and or uh, some, something really compelling, and be that group or person that um, finds the you know, the lucky golden ticket. But right now we're not there, and we need to collaborate and share information and and collect it and build up the data uh, and do comparisons uh, 
and, and I'm seeing a real movement in that direction, and it's that's pretty dang cool. It's a it's a fun thing to see. Uh, it's unprecedented in my opinion, uh, but it's it's going forward. And uh, Bigfoot Ops is uh, one of those groups that, uh, uh, well, I mean, you're 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 also an OP member now, Ben, as well as Chuck, and that's fantastic. Right. Uh, two great guys to uh, have. Uh, with the Olympic project and so the sharing the collaboration especially you know you guys do a lot of audio stuff uh, and you guys have captured um, uh, great audio and uh, I was talking to my good buddy uh, Squatcher Metrics today and he was giving you guys kudos uh, for some of the information you've shared with him in some of the areas you work and that you guys deserved you know a pat on the back for 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 sharing this information and adding to you know uh, what Squatter Metrics is doing, which is a, a mm-hmm. amazing stuff uh, with data. Oh yes, uh, you know that database is just uh, is totally great. That's uh, I mean, I give my kudos for that. You, you know the guy right on the most of the stuff. I I haven't seen anything where you know disagree with or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean it, it seems to be right on there. So and obviously yeah. he's getting a lot of you know good information coming in. So and that's what we try to just contribute everything we got. You know, for the South Cascades, so we try to make sure you're getting accurate information. We like to we try to go. We actually ver- try to verify it, make sure we're not sending, you know, this crap. You know, yeah. We we try to make sure everything is correct or whatever, and get our T's crossed and all that kind of stuff before we send anything. Because I don't, you know, I don't like anything in speculation or whatever. So we have to make sure we have our stuff as as if we're presenting evidence every time. You know, like in the courtroom. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you yeah, vet, and, you vet yeah. your evidence before you send it on to somebody else. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you hear something, you know it's a known animal, you don't bother to send it to David Ellis or, I no. mean, that's, and that's, that's no. you know, that's valuable in having somebody who has some some sense of discernment about, you know, if you, it's kind of an obligation of res, researchers that are searching a, trying to prove the existence of an unknown animal, like and this ours being Bigfoot, that, that you have some familiarity with what other known animals are in the area that you're working, you know, and that, that oh, right. that not every sound that is made is, is a Bigfoot sound. Yeah. <laughs> you have a whole animal, you know, a whole force of animals out there, you know, make many different sounds. You know, and that's the problem is that I hear a lot of stuff on the internet, which I know are known coyotes, you know, and people passing off as squats or whatever, and I just kind of shake my head, you know, and for people that are listening to these things, a lot of them just go a little boat, you know, they just suck it up, you know, and I'm just going, oh my goodness, you know, they're shaking my head, and if you try to bring up the point, you know, yeah, I try to stay off the 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 internet seeing my point of view or whatever I just kind of let it roll but I just hate people getting bad information you know every time they hear right. a coyote call now they think it's a fat squat you know that's you know and there's there's many there's at least two hundred different calls that a that a coyote makes on you know locating calls meeting calls there's many just in itself you know mm-hmm. and I just kind of just amazed when I hear these things I go oh my goodness you know we're passing it off to squash, so, and and that yeah. I think that's what adds to the confusion out there, is people are passing off bad information, you know, and calling it squash, and, and so people are always confused. And I think that's what 
you know, my I heard that a lot before, you know, I had my my encounters or whatever, and I think that's why he used to go off the street and crazy, you know, because there's so much confusion out there. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, Ben. I mean, that's a really good point. You, you know, uh, there are so many animals out there that make a, a, a varied a variety of sounds, and to me, uh, uh, some that's doing their due diligence and doing research, if you call yourself a researcher or investigator, I don't care what, um, you get to know and you spend a lot of time in the field. Um, you don't have to necessarily be a hunter. You can be a naturalist in the field. You, you're, you're, you're recording every sound and really getting to know your environment and uh, getting to know the animals in the area and getting to know every sound they make because uh, I've been thrown for a loop a few times where I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. And then you look at it on a sonic, you know, visually, with, you know, like David Ellis does, and you can see, right. uh, you know, and you get other opinions, and you vet it, and then you realize, oh, that's a coyote, that's an owl, that's an elk, that's a, a bear, that's a cougar. You know, you get to know it. It's those ones that fall out of <laughs> any known range, uh, both visually right. and, you know, in hearing them, that, that are really intriguing. And you have recorded some of those. I've heard them uh, uh, that are very interesting um, and compelling uh, as to, well, I mean, did we see a Sasquatch make that vocalization? No, but right. it doesn't fall into the category of known or anything that we've heard before, and it falls very much outside the range of what we know animals to be able to do. Yeah, and it's hard to tell anybody it is exactly a Squatch, even though, you know, you're there at the time or whatever. You can't, you're not going to pull anybody in that, but that's just more evidence that you add, that, you know, later on, if you, you get the golden picture DNA or whatever, just all the evidence all together. That's what we're trying to do is just gather all, all our evidence. You know, you can't rely on one piece of it, especially with technology. It's, it's changing, you know, consistently. You can't even trust videos anymore. Right. You know, audios is really hard to manipulate. I think I, I think they even have technology where you can detect if it's even, you know, man-made or whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm not that we're down that road yet, but I'm just saying, you know, that's why you want to collect everything you possibly can, you know, your DNA, your hair samples, even, you know, times data. That's why I appreciate that, you know, what OP had brought with a lot of evidence gathering and, you know, how to do it, you know, to prep it right. So I think that's all our group needs is just a little bit more organization. That's what Derek has done for us. So. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now – who who uh, who is in the Bigfoot Ops group now? Uh, you, you mentioned your son's kind of uh, not really partaking; they're out of town or whatever. Who's uh, who's who, who's in your group right now, and, and what are they? Uh, what is what is their position? Or you know, because you're very you're a very strategic-minded person and very military-minded per, uh, person. What are some well, we of the key roles? Past that, because a lot of my members now are not even military anymore. That was my yeah. friends when we first put together. But people joined. Things when I was investigating, I'm going to call certain people. There's people on uh, LV. Um, I think uh, Raymond Elder and Trudy. Uh, his wife Trudy. I think we're right. Anyway, um, there's Darren Locke. Darren Locke is our newest researcher. He's been going out with this for the past year now and he's picking up a lot of stuff. He's he's actually developing a passion for it and he's you know, he's gun ho. You know, we always make everybody stay out there for the night. Uh that's a like like a little initiation to get in. But they can stay out there and not be afraid. 
know, we actually bring up their Charlie's for it. We actually get to hear some of this stuff. So if they can handle that, then, you know, we, we, we kind of get them into the group and make sure they have a passion for it. Because we have a lot of people who come here and just waste their time, Mickey Lou or whatever, you know, for a few days. And we can tell it's not for them. They just want to come up and hope they have that encounter, you know. Right. So, and we call it babysitting because we end up babysitting somebody there that can't handle it. I've actually had a few people are taken out there. They found out real suddenly this wasn't for them. You know, they're, they're at morning time, they're physically shaking and, you know, a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. They don't realize it's easy to sit in a, a room and say, oh, yeah, I can handle this and handle that. But when you actually out here with these guys, these creatures, you know, I'm just calling creatures right now. It's a totally different ballgame. It's dark out there. These things are big, and the strength is incredible. I can, you know, I, I can even begin to put it on a scale. But right. you know, they they grunt and they they throw rocks. They don't throw rocks at us. Actually, throw it at their feet most of the time. But it it can be, you know, when they put out their little grunting and everything, it can be a little overwhelming. So and they actually had two people, and they won't go back on the woods anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, well, yeah. What what are some of the more interesting um, encounters that you have had personally, um, aside from your original one? What are some of the more uh, interesting encounters you've had in some of your areas? Um, well, the most interesting when me and Chuck sit out there and they were throwing rocks all night. You know, I've had them come out and pound on my RV, um, my older one. I've actually had the windshield, a rock thrown through the windshield. Uh, just didn't bust through the windshield, but it actually put a pretty good, cost me $549 for a new windshield, so, um, yeah, that's why I'm afraid to pick my new rig up there, and I was going, oh, man, I don't think I'm throwing any rocks, uh, and, and that cost, actually, I had been putting food out in the stump, and that's something I normally don't do during the daytime, I actually was taking, uh, I put food on the stump, and I left. And I was going over to check over another site, which is a mile away. So I hiked down there, and then when I came back, with, and I met Chuck there, we had actually, you know, I caught the hood, because that's actually how, at that time, I was hooking up my call blast system. And I just happened to notice there was a rock on my hood. So, I, and it's, it's pretty dark out there still. We had a little bit of starlight, but I hadn't noticed a gleam on my windshield, and I hadn't looked, and here's the windshield got a big, you know, softball-sized, uh, big crack in it, you know. It was like actually a big rock that hit it, and the rock was still sitting on the on the uh, hood of my uh, RV. So that got expensive. So I would say that was kind of you know interesting. But it, what I assumed is is that when I put the food on there, you just check and to see if somebody was still in the RV. And after I left, and they had to actually threw a rock at the thing to see it. I mean, it wasn't like somebody threw it really hard. It was like it was actually probably tossed. So. What can I say? But there's no proof that when some human decided to just go up and throw, you know, a rock at my windshield, but I doubt. I didn't see anybody really were out there the whole time, so. Right. But Chuck was actually there when he seen him when the rock was still sitting on the hood, so. Wow. Anyway, uh, but I've had some really weird experiences where, you know, most of the time they come into camp, and I hate to tell people this, yes, they do come into camp when you're sleeping. They like to come in there and mess with stuff. You know, I've actually had recordings on there. I didn't want to I should have sent you some of those. They actually had six and a half hours of activity where they're just running around the RV, banging on it, picking up my equipment, looking at it, you know. And you can hear these footprints and them pushing over trees. So, And that's the stuff that gets interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. It gets a little 
stuck in too, unless you know that they're, you know, they're like two feet away from your head. You just didn't know it when you're sleeping in your RV at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And uh, you guys both, you guys sleep in a tent, right? Yeah, I, um, I do right. have a trailer that I occasionally that. use. <laughs> yeah, I do sleep in a trailer. I have a lot of fun. Occasionally, I sleep in a yeah, trailer, but nine times out of oh, ten, yeah, there you go. yeah, nine times out of ten, oh. I'm in a tent. Yes. Um, because I like to. Well, I'm just I'm a tent guy. If I bring the family out uh, to any location or whatnot, we're probably in the RV yeah. or trailer. But uh, I love tent camping um, <clears throat> because uh, I am I I I'm a light sleeper, and little things will wake me up, and I like to be able to react mm-hmm. to what I'm hearing. But I I fully agree with you on on. Uh, on Sasquatch possibly coming into the camp uh, at night. If you're in, a, in an area with some history or an area of interest, uh, you know, one of the areas that, you know, it's like the Tillamook, uh, in the Tillamook Forest area where Gunnar and I do a lot of research in, um, we will do, during the day, we'll hike around, do our thing, you know, and, and uh, you know, place audio out, trail cameras, whatever. But mm-hmm. at night, I, I'm at night, really, I don't go on night I mean, personally, I don't do, I've ventured away from that several years ago I did this, but at night I really don't venture out too much. I, uh, after doing, doing all my day hiking and, and stuff, I stay at camp and, um, I'm that obnoxious camper. If something wants to check me out, they will, uh, or they'll pass mm-hmm. through or, but I put myself in a good spot location and, uh, seems to, you know, uh, it doesn't seem like research, right? I mean, you're 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 staying in your camp and you're just a camper. People are like, well, that's not researching. You're, that's, actually, that is that's actually it, it, a better type of researching exactly. because at least you're bringing them to you. So that's exactly. how we do a lot of our settings in the dark, you know, because we don't even have a, a campfire and stuff. So you get more things by learning what they're doing. You know, they're they're problem solvers. They're always checking out what you're doing and stuff. So right. And, well, you're in their environment. I, I didn't mean, you can yeah, you're you know no, you're fine. You're in their environment, uh, mm-hmm. and we're not prepared to be doing stuff at night. Uh, you know, I mean, therming's right. one thing, but going out there high ground, knocking on trees, and stuff, not that occasionally I don't do that. I do. Yeah, we don't knock we on don't knock trees. on trees anymore. We don't do that at all. So yeah. we really don't. Yeah, do I that. rarely didn't. R- right. I rarely do that. I rarely even make vocalizations at night. Uh, I mean, I'm the sort of person where I'm out in the field for three or four days and nothing's going on. I'll, I'll try it. The last night, I'll try it to see if I get anything. But it's not my goal, you know, to go out there and, and hit on a tree or make a vocalization. Uh, what I like to really do is just do a lot of hiking, hiking around, making myself right. known, um, uh, going to places where um, it's kind of remote, uh, somewhat dangerous sometimes, but do a lot of hiking, circumference area, and then come back to camp. And uh, mm-hmm. by, by doing that, what I've done, I've left my scent everywhere. Uh, I've made noise. Uh, I made myself known, and if something is mm-hmm. interested in, in checking me out and going, okay, well, uh, I can smell this dirty bugger. Uh, I'm going to follow this guy right. to camp, or check out what they got going on because they're making a lot of noise at camp. You know, that is research to me. Uh, and and uh, yep. you know, of course, you, you're therming, you're you're doing audio, you're doing a lot of different things. Uh, it's quite the experience. But I have found that <laughs> if you look at, put it this way, if you look at the br- broad spectrum of researchers going out in the field and knocking on trees and vocalizing, you know, doing vocals and whatnot, 
Um, the vast majority of reports don't come from, you know, solid. I mean, really solid reports don't come from that. They come from people camping, doing ordinary things, uh, and and that's where most of your your sightings come from. Most of your your uh, you know encounters, possible Sasquatch encounters, come from is being at your camp uh, and hiking mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, I, and that I agree. Is, I is, totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much what you guys. And that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, you guys that's good yeah. information. That's what I tell everybody. It's, that's this isn't getting out there and trying to have the experience. If you get out there, I mean, you're gonna find stuff when you get out there. That's all the thing. You, you learn stuff about the area. You, you know, that's what we try to do. Is look out for food sources. You know, that's all we do during during the day. We're not out there trying to hunt down Bigfoot or whatever. We're actually learning about their area. I mean, right. that's exactly what we're doing. You know, food yeah. sources, yeah. shelters, whatever, and we try to find that kind of stuff, any signs that they've been there. You know, that's what you do during the day. I mean, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> you know? and then at night, you're all tired anyway, so you want to sit back and relax. And we just do the added bonus of call blasting because it seems to bring them in, you know, even though I've had them come in way before we started doing that a long time ago. But we like to use their own recorder. You want to see what they learn and, I mean, they're, like I said, they learn very quickly uh, everything we do. So we have to always try to be one step ahead of them all the time, it seems like. But, we, you know, we, it doesn't do such a good to uh, try to feed them all the time. You know, it's the same repetitive stuff. You know, they get curiosity, I think, more than, more than anything else that brings these guys in. If, you know, they want to see what you're doing. But we find out that if you're just doing the same thing every day, they don't find it interesting. They just keep on doing what they do, which is usually hunting at night. You know, they run around different areas. Yeah. And uh, they don't have any, they get bored like everybody else, you know. Yeah. So, oh, well, the call blasting thing, press, you know? yeah, call blasting is really interesting to me. And I think there is something to be said about call blasting. I remember um, a time up at the Olympic Project where <clears throat> we'd taken a group out, <clears throat> pardon me, we'd taken a group out and David Ellis had decided to call blast. Well, he was call blasting uh, elephant calls. I mean, it was it was <laughs> crazy to hear it, these elephant calls. Uh, and um, and I could be wrong. I thought he did some whale uh, calls, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Could be wrong about that. But yeah. we had got something on Therm about a half hour after he call blasted these calls. Um, they were directed at us, and we were you know uh, we were probably about 450 yards away, maybe 400 yards away, and he had call blasted in our direction. And we Derek Randalls and I had caught something on the FLIR that was you know very intriguing. Uh, it looked like two uh, upright. Uh, bipedal uh, things, <laughs> um, and yeah. they were 350 yards away or so. Um, but the call blasting is really interesting, and I know you have a great setup for that. Uh, and, and and apparently, well, probably, had, not uh, <laughs> probably not well, a good to Probably not a good Mine had to throw together. I just wanted to make it more portable than anything else. And I'd like to. Yeah. You know, I'm always trying to work with that to improve it. You know. Yeah, but you've had time, success. So. It sounds like you've had success uh, utilizing the call blasting. I mean. What do you, when you call blast, uh, you know, uh, when you're you're putting these uh, uh, vocals out there and, and blasting them out into the woods, what are you call blasting? Known uh, or sorry? Yeah, un, actually, you know, yeah, they're, what do you call they're blasting? unknown creatures. But yeah, we actually at first I had to use, um, I think, got to use like the Ohio calls and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, some of Chuck, you know, Chuck's got really good audio on there. I don't know if he, I think he did play it last time, but that's a great audio. You know, he got a great recording. I think it was on August 30th uh, back in 2012 or 13. It was just great. 
but I like to use parts of that to call blast out. Now we get, you know, we get all our responses. We've had so many responses over the years that we actually, you know, use their own things that they're, I like to say their own words against them when we're calling out there. And we always wanted to think, oh, there might be Aunt B out there calling us or whatever. So that's, that's what I call that that to them now. I don't even use anything like that, the Sierra Sound or anything like that anymore. It's basically their own, you know, them out in Ashford. And we actually found out we used to get there in LB at uh, one of our team members' place, and we actually got some pretty good responses over there, too. You know, I mean, it's like the whole woods just lit up. You know, I said, oh, so... You know, they're not used to it, but if you keep on doing it, you know, they get used to it, they're not going to respond to it anymore, so. Yeah. So the first time, it's actually pretty great, you know, to hear that. You hear, like, four or five different spots all at once within, you know, five or six seconds when you call blast, you start hearing stuff, you know, responding to it, so. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. I just love, you know, that's the part I love about this here, these responses all the time, so. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, it's trying to predict really trying to predict what Sasquatch is doing or what they're not doing. And, and the interesting thing for me is um, I think the more predictable – see, we're always trying to predict what Sasquatch is doing, you know, and, and that's a goal. It's, it's a goal is mm-hmm. predictability, especially with the LIM project, you know, we work with, is, is looking at uh, Sasquatch and trying to predict based on the data and everything where they're at, what they're doing. But I think Sasquatch does the same exact thing, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but they love predictability uh, when they can go to an area and, and kind of know what you're doing already or know what you're, you know, so it makes them very comfortable. And I'm not talking about habituation. I'm not a big fan of habituation. Right. But making making you predictable, uh, like many animals. I mean, my, I come home, my dog knows what I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be at. He already knows. He, I'm predictable. Mm-hmm. I do the same, I have the same pattern. I do the same thing in and out. And uh, it would make sense to me that if you're in an area and you're predictable, uh, an animal would feel like, or, or like a Sasquatch thing would feel a comfort, more comfortable to visit or come into your camp or whatever. If you make yourself predictable, you're not doing anything strange. You know, you, you, you're going in and out because if you have Sasquatch in the area, um, they're probably watching you. Like they're watching everything else. Like we would be. Yeah, as humans doing, you know, I mean, when I go out to the woods, I'm watching, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paying attention, uh, but not to the same degree that I would assume a Sasquatch would be doing. So we make ourselves predictable. I think you have a better chance of um, collecting data, not say, not saying right. an encounter, but well, yeah. Well, we found that, this, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say this, because we found, we found that they, they get, you know, uh, predictable also. I mean, they get to where they do a lot of the same stuff, you know, when they're hunting, when they're out hunting in these different areas. At least they'll go out to certain areas and we know they'd be there. But soon, as soon as they realize that we're, you know, doing the same thing to them, they actually change it up. They change up immediately. That's what we thought was kind of strange is that, you know, if there are several months out there, we could, we could know they were in like Delta and this is a different area you have. Uh, you know, Charlie or whatever, they would be in these different areas at certain times, but the more and more we start showing up there, they started changing their patterns. Mm-hmm. So they don't like, you know, somebody doing that to them, you know. They'll they'll change it up. And it's probably like more a nuisance to them, you know, when we go in here and start bothering them. During the, they're out there actually hunting around. I don't know exactly what they're hunting, you know, per se. But 
they they going through these areas at a certain time, they would be you know they would just avoid us altogether, go back around us, you know, circle around behind us and just go around. We hear them clear over, you know, at um, Bravo or something like that. I'm just throwing names out there right now. So, but they would just move around a lot. They were just kind of like, you know, way up in the outsides of us. So we found, well, if we stopped messing with them so much, you know, they wouldn't be changing all these patterns. So, mm-hmm. And that's what we did. It's kind of just went back to our normal thing when we sit out there. Yeah. Well, getting back to, so you had this <clears throat> this, this um, softball-sized rock on your hood of your, your, your RV. Uh, um. Have you yet. since? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> have you, you do since? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because I get that all the time. You know, I've had stuff happen, and they're like, "Well, did you re- did you get on video recorded?" I'm like, "No, I was." I mean, I'll be honest. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't expecting it. You know, it was unexpected. I've had that happen numerous times. Where <laughs> uh, on some of those audios, you'll find that I'm I'm doing the ones in camp, but instead of the ones out there where I forgot to turn on my parabolic, you know, there's two actually two switches on it. Or turn the uh, turn the recorder on, and you're thinking, oh man, I got this great recording and stuff. And then you go in there and look, and nothing's working. You know, you're going, oh, batteries are dead. You know, we've all gone through that, I'm sure, many times. Actually, I've learned a lot. Believe it or not, I had to learn something from Larry there, your buddy there, is that about using uh-huh. uh, lithium batteries. We found that yeah. they were mm-hmm. great. <laughs> yes. So you can attribute that one to Larry Turner. I know you're listening now, Larry. I'll give that one to you, all right, buddy? But uh, that's that was the greatest tool there because I said we were constantly – I mean, I could buy boxes and boxes of batteries. So we, you know, I have a lot of equipment now, a lot of audio now, so a lot of parabolics. So we, we try to saturate an area between me and Chuck. Chuck's got me beat on game cameras, so I can't do much about that. <laughs> right. But, uh, well, what, what are your thoughts on – game cameras because I know you do place a lot of game cameras out there and in fact you guys have got uh, some interesting uh, what I think is interesting um, uh, game pa- well, picks yeah I got it, I got it um, the game camera thing I wasn't a big fan of at first because you know I was talking to other people or researchers or whatever and they you know it seemed to be like a repellent but uh, the problem was I was having when I was sitting out in the, on the earlier models I think it was like that you know, they were really expensive, and it was like five, six hundred bucks for a good game cam. Is that they would mess with them all the time? I mean, mm-hmm. I'd take and find, go out there and find them sitting on the ground, or you know, tore off the tree, or you know, you're looking at a video when they first on videos and things moving all around. You can't figure out what the hell's behind it. You know, behind it moving this video, the camera, and that that and that was just a, you know, aggravate me because I'd be have. You have to buy more and more game cameras because, like, if you set food out there, you come out and look, your food is gone. You can go and look at your ticket camera, nothing on it, you know. Just got a food there one second, gone the next. So then you start having another camera looking at the other camera, you know, and that's what they got to be. It's like four or five cameras watching one another, and you still get the food, you know. And I thought, oh, wow, this is all that all about. So I kind of got away from it. But actually, Chuck is the one that brought me back into that. So Chuck started getting some little bit picks on there. And uh, I think that's what me a big fan, especially with the new ones now. They got all the audio and stuff with them now, so they're actually yeah. pretty good, and they're actually a lot cheaper. So yeah, the uh, model for one hundred thirty-eight bucks, something like that. Yeah, they've really come down in price, and um, 
I'm still on the fence with with the troll camera use. I will, I will always use them. Don't get me wrong. I will always use them, but um, on the fence because you know it seems like for me personally, the the older models, the crappier models, you get a little bit more even with known animals, a little bit more um, pictures. Now I have more expensive models now. You know I use everything from Moultrie to Stealth Cam to reconnaissance. Uh, you, you, mm-hmm. you know you name it. Um, what's cool is though the audio though with the newer models the audio and the picture, that's that's pretty dang cool. And you get yeah, that's, you know, I, not I just <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. it too. And so I've been buying a lot more of the more expensive models. Um, but uh, you know, for me, it's really a shot in the dark, a needle in a haystack, uh, as Gunner says, uh, moving needle in a haystack. But yeah, I'm still going to use trail cameras because I do. Um, Hope for that really good shot. It won't won't prove Sasquatch. I I know that. Well, but for me personally, the point is, it's better to have it out there than not to have it out. There. That's all I tell everybody. It's just, just put the stuff out. There. I mean, if you get something great, if you don't, hey, what do you get to lose? Nothing. I mean, yeah. you're not spending a lot of time. I get you, when you put game cameras out in a certain area. The point is, is that you can stop watching that area and move somewhere else and look somewhere else if you want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got something watching that area. If you right. get something or not, oh well, you know. Yeah, but, but there, it's it's, it's really cool too because tool. you get to know what what's in the area. You know, I just checked my trail cameras from this past right. weekend. I've had out for uh, several months, and I got all sort of fauna. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, ungulates. You know, like I got a deer, deer, you know, deer and and all sorts of animals on there. So I get to know really what's coming into this area, and 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 how long they're hanging out and if they're coming back. You know, I got a uh, this this past weekend. You know, I was reviewing audio and I got um, mama deer and a little fawn uh, coming through the mm-hmm. area constantly um, feeding. I mean, uh, so I get to know the known animals in the area and and their their habits, and uh, that helps out with my audio too. Uh, so and, and it, it really that's researching. Re- that's, that's part researching. of it. Everything about yes, every aspect of it. You finding out what animals are in the area. You know what's there. You know, it's not there, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. well, I should say it's yeah. not there, but the point is, you, you get what I'm saying, is that you, you're finding out about the area. You get to see what creatures are in here. That way you can't say, oh, there was no coyotes there. Well, unfortunately, there was one close to the area there, you know. So. Yes, yes. No, well said. And, you know, in fact, the area I'm researching now, and it's every year, this bear comes, there's a, a bear that comes through this area. I find it scat mm-hmm. all the time. I found a fresh pile of scat uh, this weekend, and I found scat several weeks ago from this bear. I'm not got him on trail cam yet, and it blows my mind. I'm like, why have not? Why have I not got this bear on trail cam yet? I'm finding a scat, <laughs> uh, but I'm not seeing the bear there. I know there's a bear there based on the scat. Where's the bear? <laughs> you know, but yeah, yep. it's like, uh, is he avoiding my trail camera? Hey. I mean, uh, yeah. Isn't it like anticipation on Christmas too when you get on your on your camera there and say, Oh, wow, get like sixty two photos here, maybe one Bigfoot, you know. That's the anticipation yeah, yeah, that yeah. you're trying to get on there. You know, and that's just it. It's, it's, that's just some of the excitement you know, when it comes to it. Yeah. It's gotta be a passion. It, it's still fun. You go out there and more game cameras you put out there and say, Wow, I got hundred and fifty photos you're just hoping to get that face in the you know, on the camera on the tree or whatever. It's it's kinda great. Actually I got it. You know, and once I get I get mad about it, I got actually got, got a photo of the glory, you know, the whole group that I was looking for out there. But I said, it's, it's, it's still, it's something, though. It just shows that, you know, Chuck's got a couple of them shoulders or whatever. 
but Misa showing you that you know they're not running from these game cameras like everybody said. They're still right there up next to them. So yeah, I've seen yeah. enough. Uh, personally, I've seen enough um, interesting trail cam pictures. Zillow Project has a few. I know you guys mm-hmm. have a few, and other mm-hmm. uh, individuals have shared trail cam pictures with me uh, that are very interesting. Uh, not conclusive, but interesting to know that trail cameras yeah. do serve a purpose. Uh, beside the fact that you can see what's in the area uh, as far as known animals, but they do serve a purpose. Right. And you know, uh, I don't think Sasquatch is perfect. I do. I think they screw up. There was a, a mention on the show before. Cliff Berkman um, shared a uh, picture from the Clackamas area here in Oregon, where a police officer had shared it with him. It was his trail camera near where the cops go up and shoot, and they set up his trail camera see what's going through the area, and they got a really, it was very Ooh, compelling. Yeah, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, 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 yeah Very good picture. It's on yeah. the Bigfoot yeah. Road Trip DVD. Exactly. That right. movie was compelling, especially with the breakdown and whatnot. I mean, it, it compelled the um, police officers an, uh, enough uh, to share it with Cliff. And the, mm-hmm. when Cliff went out there and did a comparison and did everything else, I was like, wow, that's, that is really interesting. And uh looks to me like a Sasquatch. Could be wrong, but um, I don't think Sasquatch are perfect. I think they screw up, and, and I think they're very aware and keen in the area. And, and I do think they try, you know, when they see something like this out in the woods, they probably generally avoid it. Maybe we'll come up behind mm-hmm. it and mess with it. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> they're useful but, yeah, and I, we useful. Don't, we don't know how they see them. Like, obviously, they know they're there. That's the whole point. It, there's no hiding your game, Cam. I, I've tried camouflage and stuff, and they always seem to find them. So, you know, it's, but it's best just to leave it there and just let it do its course. You know, they, they like to mess, they, you know what it is? It's just some problem solving. I just realize that they like to tinker with stuff, you know. But we do, we yeah. do realize that when you put them on top of you, it's the best way to keep them out of your, uh, I suggest just put a game camera on top of it, but they don't mess with it. But, they, you know, <laughs> we found that kind of stuff out. So, and there's just so much stuff. You know, I would like to tell everybody, but you don't have enough time for that. I mean, it's just like you, you've been out there for all these years. There's, there's nothing, you know, it's like everyday stuff to me. I mean, it's the only hobby I have, so I don't fish anymore. I don't hunt anymore. I don't do anything, so this is the only thing I do just about every weekend, unfortunately, yeah. But yeah, with, with, well, with all your the, other hobbies. In regards to hiding trail cameras, you know, I know um, – Paul Graves, uh, a fantastic Bigfoot yep, researcher, he's been around. Yeah, he's been around a long time. He's been very innovative with his trail cameras, and he's another person that shared some very interesting trail cam pictures. And he's a uh, he, he does some very uh, fantastic masonry work with these trail cameras and make them look like a rock and everything. He's got some yeah. pretty dang interesting trail cam pictures, uh, and so I'm always uh, trying to mimic what others doing and then elaborate upon that to see if I can do better. Um, but, but you know, it, it really, it really is tough. Yep. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, it, that's the whole thing is learning from everybody. If I said, I don't mind sharing anything of like, or equipment. I like everybody to take something I got and improve it, you know, and say, hey, we'll come back with something better. You know, it'd be great to help all of us. That's what we try to do. You know, when we're out R&Ding our equipment out there, we are, I always ask everybody, hey, if you got something good, let me know. You know, I'll gladly share anything I got. You know, I share my equipment also. You should be well aware of that. I mean, if yeah, very you aware of that. You got some, 
and somebody needs a therm or something, somebody I know, by the way, so all you listeners out there, they're calling me for a therm. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Like, I've that's used not your... Yeah. I've had the call fortune to free that five five five. Yeah, I want to make sure you call Gunner to give me some free coffee with that too. Right? So. <laughs> free? No, I've, but, uh, you, know, you know we've used your idea. We all have the same goal, so I want to make sure right. that we all have the equipment. So, right, your parabolic dishes I've used in person. You know, I've used uh, Larry Turner, uh, kind of hooked that up, and we used your parabolic dishes before, and they served great purpose, and. Uh, so that's very generous of you, but uh, once again, that's it, it's uh, sharing and uh, across the board, whether it's it's ideas, research, uh, collections of data, or equipment. And I've done the same thing many, many times. I've shared my equipment before, but with people that uh, I feel comfortable with. You know, I think they're going to yes, utilize yes. it correctly. I've, I've yeah. shared with people I'm comfortable with and paid the price for that one, too. I've come in yeah. and <laughs> whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Sharing a check is no easy because you can just buy a new one. But yeah, he's never had. He's actually a really great researcher, also. So, but I mean, he's got more equipment than I got, I think, anymore. So I always try to outdo him all the time, me and him both. I think he's, he's got me in this. Like I said, he's coming in the trail, the, the trail camera thing. He's trying to catch up with him. I think he's got like 21. I said, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I go out and buy more parabolics just out, you know, despite him on that. Like, but this, this, this is all fun, you know. So. Yeah. But yeah, you, know, uh, you know, it's it's really good to the poorhouse. So, but go mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. But you have you guys have got some interesting tra- trail cam pictures. Uh, do you want to talk about those a little bit? I mean, they're not definitive, but they were to me when I was viewing them on your I think it was your Bigfoot Ops page. Those were pretty interesting mm-hmm. trail cam pictures. Those were actually checks. So you have to have right. check about those. Okay. And, okay. Uh, well, his like I said, he, yeah, I was out there when he. You know, put them out there in the beginning and stuff. And I says, to me, yeah, I see how Chuck puts his cameras up and stuff. And I know it's not, you know, I I know it's not bare or human because the where where the height he puts them, the way he puts them, and he's actually pretty specific. I don't like, you know, tell Chuck how he how he works. But the point is, is he's very you know methodical about what he does, and. To, you know, since they say it was a human walk up there, something's totally ridiculous. So, but yeah. anyway, um, you know, and the good thing about you know working with Chuck is there's somebody you can trust. You know, somebody's not going to hoax you or pull. You know, he's pretty well, which I, I really like, is that he's you know a straight shooter. You don't have to worry about him playing games or something when it comes to this kind of stuff. We, you know, we've had people do that too before. They go out there and. They put a couple of rocks out there. They all look at Bigfoot. They'll go, yeah, right, out in the road, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. What well, You know, a question well, came in the chat. Think of the words, you know. Yeah. A uh, question that came in the chat here is, uh, what are your thoughts on UAV uh, research in the field? You know, um, aerial drones, that sort of thing, unmanned I aerial. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you do. Um they asked me, and I was like, UAV? Uh, now I'm like, oh, duh. But, uh, yeah, UAV, uh, what are your thoughts, and how are you yeah, utilizing I that? I think it's a good, it's another tool in the bag. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't use mine very often. I'm going to uh, more in the summertime and everything. I'm actually waiting for better technology and a little bit more expensive models to come out. But, uh, 
I think they're actually great. I don't think they can hide from those. I always think anything from the air you can see a lot. You know, people always say that, you know, you know, they'll see them and hide. No, they don't. I think it's just a great tool to have in your arsenal of tools out there. Everything helps. Right. Yeah, you know what's, what's funny is, you know, uh, the nesting area or bedding area uh, that the Lent Project's working on um, up in Washington uh, we, I've had so many people, I know Derek Randall's and Lent Project has had the same question, why don't you guys utilize UAVs, you know, the, these, these drones in this area? Well, quite honestly, it's impossible in this particular area. Yeah. Um, it's so thick. Yeah. yeah, the canopy is so thick you can't see down. To maneuver something in this area would be uh, silly. It, it, you'd right. lose it. Not going to happen. Now, I'm a big fan of, of drones in certain areas, Um uh, but it, you re- it really is. areas are great, or pastures, or yeah. large areas. It, it covers a lot of ground within minutes. Like, say, if you want to look up in a cliff face or something like that, that's exactly what I got it for, because there was areas that I couldn't get up to without being too dangerous. These things are just right up there, and you can, you know, scan pretty close. But other yeah. than trying to cover a forest area, it's just it's impossible. I mean, you're not going to be able to see, you know, down in the brush, it's just like regular aircraft, you're not going to see down to that stuff. You can hook a thermal camera if you want to pay all that extra money for one and try to look in that thermal, but it's not going to tell you anything different. You're going to see a big hot spot down there. You're going to say, well, I don't know what that is. You know. Yeah, we're not we're not there yet with that sort of technology yeah. as far as being uh, affordable because uh, right. I think uh, uh, the UAVs, um, your drones and whatnot, would serve a better purpose personally for me at night. But try mm-hmm. try flying one of those at night, and you know uh, I know a lot of them do come back to you. But try flying one of those at night with a therm, and maybe we'll get somewhere. Uh, during the day, yeah. uh, you know it's it's a shot in the dark. Well, shot in the light, but it's a right. shot in the dark. I mean, you and I got eighteen hundred dollars, and you want to throw a five thousand or six thousand dollar thermal camera on there, good luck with that. And he flies off into the wild blue yonder. Because <laughs> they do. They, they have a tendency to fly off, you know. I think part of the, the problem with technology, too, is people think that, that a therm is an X-ray vision machine, and it's not. It has, no, you know, it's, it's very not. limited in what, what it can actually see. As soon as you get, it, even the, the, the therm, the footage that, that uh, we think may be Bigfoot therms, as soon as they step behind a bush, as any, you, it disappears. Anything between you and, and the subject blocks out the therm, the ability for the therm. To, it doesn't penetrate yeah. foliage. I mean, it doesn't, pre- you know. Yeah. So <laughs> and it, that's what people it, think. It's, it's like it, on you see on TV and movies where they see through walls. It doesn't happen that way. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's not the kind of technology yeah. we're dealing with. Yeah. Right. Right. So well, I don't want you to that. run anymore, so we don't have that kind of tools anymore. So yeah, yeah. But not just that. Talking, is these these terms are getting uh, thermal units are getting more affordable, right? They're getting more affordable, mm-hmm. but uh, doesn't mean just because you have a, a therm, you're, you know what you're doing. It, it takes, uh, you know, Bart Catino taught me this. Um, that uh, and he's got some of the greatest uh, thermal footage out there, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, from Washington. But that. You have to become an expert. I mean, you really do have to become an expert with that thermal unit, whatever it is, that piece. You have to become an expert knowing the ins and outs and knowing what you're looking at because 
how many times have you been out there with a therm and you, you pick up a heat sensor and you're like, wow, well, guess what? Uh, rocks uh, pertain heat, trees pertain heat. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, you know, uh, the ground. So you really have to become an expert uh, with that unit you're using and how to use it. Otherwise, you're pretty much um, not doing anybody justice, including yourself, because you're just, you, you'll pick up all yeah, the heat sensors. Yeah, I had six different tinctures, and I had to go through all, uh, not six, at least three. To, you know, you see a, a rock, I just see a heat source. You hit it black, mm-hmm. you hit it white, and you have to hit it red. Just make sure it's a real heat source, you know. Right. And that you start off from there, and then you get to wonder what it is. And if it's moving, and and even with the quality of, you know, like this, I used a PS24 Pro, you had a sense when you're staring through it, it looks like things are moving, and they're not. So especially, you know, you know, it has a zoom on it and stuff, and you look yes. at that, and it kind of moves around and just click. So there's a lot more to it, even though it has a video and stuff on it. But, you know, you you still got to be within so many feet or something if you want to get a clear-cut, you know, video of that, of what, you know, outline or detail. It, way in the distance, it still looks like an orange blob. It doesn't tell you anything, you know. Like, you can't run in and say, oh, Kane, this is, you see this big orange blob here or this big white blob, that's a squatch. You know, there's no right. detail. <laughs> so yeah. you're going to go, hmm, you got, okay. Yeah. So. you got to be able to use the contrast and all the different, mm-hmm. uh, you know, zoom in, zoom out. you got to know all the yep. features. Um, and that's why when I'm recording something of interest, uh, or maybe not of interest, but I will use different contrasts of different color signatures, mm-hmm. zoom, in, zoom yeah. in and zoom out. You know, uh, uh, this past weekend, uh, uh we were uh, just last night. I was at Cliff Berkman's house, of Finding Bigfoot. We had a little barbecue over there, and uh, Derek Randall's drove down of the Inland Project, drove down to uh, from Washington, Oregon, and uh, you know he's he lent me um, the Inland Project, uh, you know, a real expensive clear. Oh, yeah, you know, it's like it's, yep. yeah, yeah. It's you know, I mean, it's like a close to twenty thousand dollar unit after all the different uh, lenses are put in there, uh, and that thing's stellar. But um, I'm still learning all the ins and outs of that. Now I've gotten really good with it, uh, but still, still learning the ins and outs of it, uh, the different lenses, which lens you use, uh, you know, the different color palettes and everything else. Uh, I've gotten pretty mm-hmm. good, but I'm by no means an expert at it. And I made many a mistake. Um, though I have. Hey, that makes you, that makes you a good expert at it later on. All the mistakes. I figure if somebody's good at it, it's as many mistakes they make them stuff. Even with <laughs> squash it. It makes you a better researcher by all your mistakes. You don't learn from something you did right. You don't learn from what you did wrong. So. That's right, yeah. No, well, well said. That would be plenty of mistakes. Yeah, uh, we make a lot of mistakes, just to let you know. Just for everybody out there, we make a lot of mistakes, yeah. And still do. And I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, well, that wasn't, that wasn't a smart idea. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ben, how many um, – uh, now – Working with Bigfoot Ops and now being an OP member and everything else, and I'm sure you work with others, but uh, do you take in a lot of reports uh, in, in these areas you work in? I mean, do you take in a lot of reports? And if you have or do, any of those uh, reports have been sightings? I mean, are you getting predictability or anything uh, you could share with the audience that, that may be um, interesting? Um, going to say, I've had, what, three, now, four? Trying to remember. Um, when I usually don't, you know, I think I, I talk to a lot of people when I'm out there. Cause they, I, they have been out there for mm. going on seven years now. 
you talk to different people. There's a lot of people that keep private and stuff. But if anything, I would tell everybody is is the moon phases is the key because we don't seem to have, uh, even throughout the whole area because we've been in two different areas and we're talking miles apart here, uh, any activity on the full moon cycle, which is usually a week before or a week after. We don't know why or where or why. You know, we've heard people, you know, tell us in different groups or whatever, they've seen them out there in the full moon. And it doesn't mean that they're not, they don't do that. Well, I'm saying in this particular area here about Mount Rainier, we have no activity going on in the full moon cycle. Don't know why, don't know how or what, what the reason is, but all these years we've had nothing at the quietest part. We'll have something during the day part. You know, we've had a lot of day activity and stuff, but at night on the full moon cycle we've got nothing. It just goes completely dead up there. And we just don't understand if it's just all the animals in general or what. But we know there's no usually no Bigfoot activity. I've got to where I won't even go out there in that part of the thing anymore. Now, Chuck still goes up there a lot because, you know, that's part of our research and other thing. But I'll try to, you know, every once in a while he'll get me to go up there. But usually it's, it's pretty dead. We don't have anything going on. Um, predictability on um, these creatures, they, they are unpredictable. I mean, they 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 learn they're problem solvers they try to always try to figure things out. Uh, I don't know, on my honest opinion, if I actually trust them. The people running out there and saying, "Oh, you know, they want to be friends with these guys." I don't know if that's actually a bit, good idea because I don't believe the adults and when they run is that they really like humans whatsoever. What we've been dealing with, the ones coming in our camps and everything like that here. And Asperger is juveniles. And the reason we say that is by the the footprint sizes that we're seeing around camp, which is usually 10 or 12 inch tracks, 12 and a half, 13. But uh, the adults stay completely away. And any time I've ever had any kind of encounter or activity with the adults, it wasn't really a good thing. It, it, in regards to what I'm saying is that, is that, you know, we said, them shake trees and get some kind of reaction from us or whatever, but normally they run off. Well, the adults won't do that. The adults kind of like, hmm. And I'll give you one. The most interesting thing I ever had happen to me, I'll give you that quick story, is with when I first encountered the group, and we're thinking, talking about a group of them. I was with my wife that had me that night, and this was July. I'm trying to figure it It was a Late night in July, um, 2012, I believe. But anyway, um, we had gone to this spot. I had been out there during the day, and this is the Charlie side. I'll tell a little story about Charlie. Do we have this time, by the way? I'm going to need to follow your time. Plenty, pl- plenty of time, plenty of time. Please uh, <laughs> okay. take your time. <laughs> yeah. Am I joking around here? So, anyway. At the trolley, so it was around midnight, I believe. It was pitch black out; couldn't see my hand in front of my face. So I was out there, and I uh, it was pretty quiet. I just drove driven up there, but I was going to say during the day I actually heard some knocking. This is the most interesting thing on the site to this day. This actually I found out how where the site was because of this little incident. I got out my truck, and it was at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm going to back forward here during the day, real quick. Sorry, but. uh I got out, and I just shut my door, and I heard a bang, 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 which was a wood knock. I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. 
So anyway, about 45 seconds later, here comes three elk come flying out of the brush about 50 feet away from me. And they were heading to, you know, straight across from me, out in front of me. So I sit there and watch these elk, and I thought, okay, it was the elk, whatever, you know, going through the brush. All of a sudden, I heard this bang, 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 and it was actually off to my right. And the first bang, bang, bang was off to my left, and these elk changed directions. Now, you know, they were going north and south now, where they were going uh, east to west. And then they go, they went about mm, probably another 50 feet, and I hear bang, bang, bang on the tree. They're off to my other right. And then the elk also changed direction again. I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. So it was like they were actually hurting these elk. And I'm not saying that's what they were doing, but I'm saying that's what I heard was three different knock sounds, at least nine knocks, but these elk were changing direction every time they would knock. So anyway, I went around there looking around that day, you know, and I seen some fresh tree breaks and stuff. And that's, by the way, that's what I... That's how I was tracking them for all these years with these fresh tree breaks. So anyway, I came back there that night to the trolley camp. So I got in my truck, and I was standing there. It was awful quiet, and this is like at 12 midnight. My wife decided to go out with me. She wouldn't see how crazy I was, so she decided to go out there with me. So lo and behold, I decided to do a call out there. I just did a, a simple whoop, and I got a response from a, uh, a little juvenile. I heard this little whining sound, you know, like a little singing thing. So anyway, I thought they're whooping back and forth to that. And then another one joined in, another little, you know, like a little female or whatever. Anyway, uh, Mama got involved. And, and she started screaming. What we heard was like a, a woman, you know, being beat or whatever. That's the quick my wife puts it. It's a buddy scream. And she just comes screaming off the top of this hill. Now, this hill is the same one I take pictures of all the time. I sit in there. It's, you know, the one that takes me six hours to get up get up there. <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen it on Bigfoot Off, but anyway, it takes me six hours to get to the top of this hill. She comes down that hill in about two minutes, it seemed like. And we heard trust, you know, brush flying, and we heard trees falling, and, you know, she's coming. She's just crashing through the brush. Well, the reason because the other trees falling and stuff is when the whole group decided to come down because this, we call it alert call. This buddy screen call is actually alert call, meaning, hey, everybody in the neighborhood, come on over here because we're, we're in trouble. So, in all of a sudden, I found, oh, let's see. Within about five minutes of all of this, my whole truck is surrounded by these guys out here, and they're grunting and groaning, and I'm thinking, life as I know it is all is over now because these you know, these things are getting pretty hostile out there. They didn't have any recordings or anything to prove all this, but I'm just saying that it was pretty rough. I mean, if I could cry, then I would have, because I thought life was, I know, like I said, was over with, because I thought these guys were going to come kill me. And uh, it was a pretty shocking experience, but I said that's through my ground, and everything just kind of quieted up, you know. But this went on for a few months, but they, the big, group there doesn't, that's what I've all gathered. They don't like humans too much. They don't like interacting with young ones. And I thought, that was my first visit. And then after that, I went out there. After that, every weekend, and they were out there seemed like for, oh, a good month and a half, I would say. Every weekend, they seemed to be there. And I kind of told you, that's the only time I had to throw my full moon face out because 
I'm pretty sure in the month and a half that I was out there every weekend, it was in the full moon somewhere along the line. So, anyway, that alert call, like it says, when the big males come down there, and there is a, a big male out there, 22-inch tracks, because I got his, his footprints out here. I mean, he's pretty intimidating sometimes, so. And that's what scared a few of the guys where they won't go out in the woods anymore, because he grunts, he throws brush, he pushes over trees, you know, the whole works. So that's why I tell people when they go out there, you know, don't go out there and think you're going to make friends with these guys because they're not too friendly all the time. They get used to you because I've been out there for two or three years or whatever already at that time. And I think it's, they were always watching me, I figured, because I was always like an hour behind them because I get out there and trying to catch them in the damn daylight. You know, I'd be out there about 4 o'clock in the morning running around in the dark like an idiot. But that's, some of the things that you learn when you're out there in the field, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yep. sure you guys have done this too now. Don't let me don't let me just take all the credit here, will you? you know, <laughs> I know you got some good stories out there. Come on. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> you know we got many a story. Um but <laughs> yeah. you know, having having these encounters and and uh, doing all your research and investigations uh, Ben, what do you think Sasquatch is? Do you think it's a hominid or a pongid? I mean uh, do you have any opinion uh, as to my my opinion is, and this is what it's up to me as a researcher to prove it. And that's what I tell everybody. I said if you do something like that, prove it. My thing is, and that, this is where you'll find my disagreement with Tech on things because we we've had this cosmic this discussion back and forth. Is I believe now that it goes totally my opinion. It's Neanderthal. Mm-hmm. Because I like to say it's a caveman. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because he's obviously right. been around for quite a while, so you know they just didn't pop up over. They got dropped out from an alien ship or whatever. They here you go. These guys have been there all along, so it would make more sense to me. This is what and this is where it would prove basically because we have the way I look at it. If you're looking at these things in the Amazon, we already have their bones. We already have all that stuff. Doesn't mean it has to be present day, but we have some of the stuff in the past just like us. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, so I really. That's my thought. Yeah. This is, is a researcher. You got to prove my theories. If that's correct theory, then it's up to me to prove it. You know? Yeah. And that's what I'm working on. Basically, we can prove a theory on that if it's true or not. You know. Most of my. It uh, took me forty years. <laughs> right, or longer. I mean, uh, we've had many a great researcher, many a great researcher investigator, uh, pass away, um, not mm-hmm. knowing what Sasquatch is, or you know. Right. And so that to me is uh, sad. But uh, you know, with my research, um, collectively, and and a lot of it based on audio, uh, not just what I've seen in person, um, I have to lean towards. Uh, a hominid of some sorts, uh, you know, based on the audio. Uh, and some, mm-hmm. For me personally, very, very compelling audio based on the events and based on what was recorded that uh, – and, and speaking of recorded, you know, that it's very primate-like. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, I know others have recorded other stuff, uh, and what, but what I've recorded over, over uh, many, many years now – and compiled up, uh, I have very ape-like uh, sounds recorded, very uh, primate-like sounds. I agree with you on that. I mean, some of this stuff, 
tricks they do, pushing over the trees, building nests and stuff, fall on that line of, you know, in that line. And that's, I totally agree with you on some of the things, but I said, these guys are too smart for, you know, for other things. As I said, it's the same time that there's only different traits that are not apes that, you know, for intelligence is totally ridiculous. As I said, it's up to everybody to prove, you know, prove it. That's what I always say. This, you throw theories out there all day long, and that's the biggest right. thing I have about it. And you're going to find me, I get more said about that, but somebody throws something out there and does not have any proof in anything else because I've run across a few groups and individuals that do that. <laughs> and I don't agree with that at all, whatsoever. You know what I'm talking about, but, yeah, we won't go down that road. But, and I get very but, happy well, no, I really do. Well, you mean you're I mean, talking about people that make definitive statements like yeah. like they know things to be yeah. a fact and, yeah. and there's Based very on they, there's, they say so, yes. Right. That's that is not Natural. there's nothing scientific yes. about yeah. I've I've had I've experienced weird things in the woods that I can't explain. But mm-hmm. uh and in our, our research area we've had some some compelling uh events happen, but I could not say with any certainty that any of them first were caused by Bigfoot. So, right. but mm-hmm. we've had some weird stuff happen. So, no, well, let me make that clear too. We've never had anything strange happening at our sites. And I and I and I'll go address this one minute. The, the woo factor. We've never had that happen out there. Still to this day, you know, we're. I'll be the first one to you know throw my hands up in the air if if it does happen and say something. Say I'm wrong about that, but I don't think I, we we found we haven't found anything out of ordinary that isn't been is just a physical creature doing it. And if right. people are sitting here talking about mind speaking or whatever, you know, I come in contact with them a lot, you know, for encounters and stuff, and you can throw that one out the window. You know, I've never had any mind speaking to me. You know, there's a few individuals I talk to who tell me that that I have a lot of respect for as researchers, but I think. But they're telling me is something totally off the wall. But you know, hey, I respect them as researchers, and if they, if they want to believe that, that's that's totally up to them. I always tell them, oh, disprove it. There you go. But I've never had well, anything. Comes, you know, I go ahead. No, it comes it go it comes down to I mean, that's I think any reasonable person is going to have to experience have that kind of experience themselves before they they buy into. Um, that kind of behavior by cause, because it's not something that uh, other known animals are known to do. So I've never I've never had mind speak with a deer or a bear. Yeah, so, I tried to mind right, speak so, with my wife, but that doesn't work. She seems to read my mind right. all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but you're predictable. Yeah, you're predictable. She doesn't need to say anything. You're predictable. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm predictable. So. Anyway, yeah. That that's that's no, the whole you, thing about the group factor. And I, I will admit to something though. I will I will say the only thing I've had and I've talked this with Chuck and actually had this where I got actually sick and that's only because my wife told me about it. I had this happen two weekends in a row when I was listening to some vocalizations out there. Um I actually got physically sick and I've never been the first time I was never sick I mean, I've never been that sick in my life. I actually End up taking four steps to something. My wife said she was hearing some movement in the brush, and I had heard a call or something. So I ran over there, and I got about four steps, and I mean, I started projectile vomiting. I mean, and I was going. I mean, I was 
not I was basically fine. I was just like I am now. I just not, not took my stomach. You know, and I actually was laying down taking a nap when she was telling me that, and I kind of just sprung up out of there and said, okay, I'll move run over and check that out. And I took like four steps, and I just got sick. And, I mean, I was really sick. But I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel like I got, you know, tingling or whatever. I didn't get anything like that. But I, I can assure you this. I ended up spending the next 12 hours in my RV. I couldn't drive home. And I just laid there. I mean, I, I had no choice but to lay there. The next following weekend, I had the same thing happen again, but it actually wasn't as severe. I was out there just fine. I was out there recording. I actually happened on my recording, and I just started getting sick. And I thought, wow, so okay. It, so with, go with, both those in, with both those incidents, Ben, did, did, was there audio um, events going on at the same time or around when you got sick? No, the second time there was. The first time there wasn't. I mean, Okay. I wouldn't have cared if I wouldn't pick it by, uh, but the second time there was, I was actually recording hmm. at the time. My right next time, Parabolic said, man, I was sick. And I'm saying the first time, I had never been that sick in my life. I mean, you know, I've been hungover and stuff like that. I mean, so it was almost like I was out drinking all night, and you know how you get, I had the dry heaves, I had the whole works. And then, hmm. I hadn't, you know, I don't even drink alcohol. I haven't drank alcohol in, I don't know when. 15, 20 years, you know, I don't do drugs, you know, I don't do any of that stuff, and there's no reason for it. I've never been sick out since then, um, but I will say I was very, very sick, and I hadn't eaten anything yet, I hadn't even gone to eat, so I said, you know, if you want to call that a strange factor, that's about it. That's the only thing I've had happen out there. But I said, you know, if we want to relate this to Impersound, I can't prove one way or the other, but I can tell you one thing. If that's one of their defense me- mechanisms, boy, I'm telling you, you don't want no part of that because it doesn't make you sick. But, hey, isn't the I'm still out there, so. But well, there's, I mean. Did it. I can't prove Bigfoot did it or even say Bigfoot's doing it, you know. Could but it's something weird that happened. <laughs> yeah. That's something, that's you know. I've, ever, I've never had any mind speak or anything like that, you know, going on. And that's but the reason that was good. And infrasound, if that's people experience when, you know, I, I don't like the term zapping because it it yeah. it makes it sound, it just, yeah, it makes it sound, It makes it sound like you a know, factor, yeah. It's like yeah, right, just in my body. You know. people, <laughs> but people, people do report similar things to what you report in conjunction with, with uh, Bigfoot activity. So I mean, and that's it's it's weird, and there is at least infrasound is something that is, you know, is known to exist and known to be a, a attribute right. of, of of other large well, known animals. So we're talking about the largest it's a predator. Thing too, so. right. right, right. It's yeah. So we're talking about probably the largest predator in in the American forest. It is it. Is it feasible that they would have that ability? I would say, given given the reports that that people have, you know, uh, have had of this and the frequency, it it's possible. Right, and, that, and that's one probably the open thing. I probably keep it as an open mind. Other than that, anything mm-hmm. else, I just kind of shut it off, and I will because. Well, nothing it, is, is people have ever shown me. I'm just saying. I've talked to a lot of people with. Is showing it's even related to Bigfoot. You know, right, right, exactly. I don't even want to, no. 
and I don't want to go down the road bad now, people, so I'm not going to go down that way either. So I'm just saying my own belief, period, Ben, is saying I, I haven't had anything experiences like that, and I don't expect yeah. to have anything like that. That's unfortunate, you know. Ben, let me ask you this, though. Like, what was the area that you were in when you experienced this? I mean, were you deep in the woods? Were you, uh, I mean, what was the area you were in when you experienced this? Because to me, no, I've, I've it's one of those things. camping site. It's a camping site, site yeah. And, 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 well, I can say it's just a, a site. We are, it, and it's Charlie, the one I call Charlie all the time, a certain spot. And it's not too far from town. That's what's so funny about it. Because you've always talked about you have to go way deep in the woods. You don't have to go deep in the woods. They're right there. But... It was just in a normal site. There was nothing special about it. It's just it's actually just a an, an old logging part of the old logging motors where they actually set up where they set the logs, you know, and they load the logs onto the trucks or at that time it was real real cars. And that's just a patch. A small patch. That's all there. Yeah. No, I I, I have to ask that question because uh I've experienced um you know, uh, someone in our in the chat said primordial fear, and I have experienced that where I've been up against something uh, I've never experienced before, and I felt I never felt like sick like you have, but I felt frozen. I felt um, you know I couldn't move, and but uh, you know, having had some other experience in my life where I felt this way, I walked myself out of it. Um, and well, realize, you know, you know, I've been in I've been in combat situations, so you know, yes, as, yes. if I have anything like that, it's it's long gone. As a, you get the fight or flight thing, and it's always fight with me anyway. So yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't get the fear. It, it, it's more of a gentleman rest for me anyway. You get in the kind of things, you know. It, right, it, right. You run off the adrenaline. I don't I don't get the fear like you know. I don't want to go into detail, but I don't have to worry yes. about that too much. So yeah, no, I understand. Uh, I understand. Uh, I've never been in a combat. I'm never. I'm not a military person. So, uh, and my two of my brothers are, and one of them has experienced mm-hmm. crazy stuff. In fact, I brought him out before, and nothing faces him. Um, I'm, I'm at the point now where I, I uh, oh, a good fight, fight. I, like I, 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 I fight, or you know, as we say, fight. Right. I, I will, you know. Uh, one of my good buddies, James Million, and you know him, uh, Dylan Project. He's yep. a sort of guy. Who will, you know, no matter what happens, he'll run at it. He'll chase the dang thing. <laughs> oh, he's yeah, the same thing. He's, he's yeah, crazy. We, well, I do the same thing now yeah, to, we, to we're, a degree. We're like that, unfortunately, yes, we're, we're all like that. So, like I said, that's yeah. the first thing you want to do is run towards it. We don't run away from it. We run towards it. So, right. Well, I mean, I think that most people in general will, will flight. They won't run mm-hmm. towards it or fight, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why we really, uh, some of the more compelling stuff's not out there because uh, most people run or they stay back. You know, if they're filming mm-hmm. something, they don't walk towards it. If they experience something, they don't walk towards it. They they run. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, how many uh, and people run towards a bear if they see a bear or, or record a bear? They'll do it from a distance because it's something, well, that's actually probably a smart move. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not running towards the bear though. I can t- I can tell you that. <laughs> I will yeah, probably yeah. run up the tree as fast as I can, but other than that, yeah, I'm not running towards the bear. We we still have some common sense and discipline involved in here. So, <laughs> you know, they're gonna get completely crazy. Say, yeah, I'm gonna go over here and start tackling this deer or this bear or whatever. That doesn't make too much or sense. Deer. Today, so. Yeah, deer's not a good idea either. So <laughs> yeah. 
I can just see that now, man, because you're out there, out there wrestling around with deer all day long. You want me to go and wrestle this deer today? Yeah. People just yeah. love that. Well, and, what are you doing, uh, Ben, to, um, you know, for the audience? What are you doing right now to further um, the research of Sasquatch? I mean, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're very much, I know you, you're very much the guy that's outside the box, always thinking, always changing tactics, doing different things. What are you doing now? Um, to further the research and and and, and get somewhere. Well, that's that's our biggest goal is here. Is just uh, we're still trying to collect the evidence and stuff. Um, you're getting more organized. Getting, but Bigfoot Ops is trying to do is like it says we're trying to gather all our information. And what we're doing right now is actually we're getting to move into a different area. So um, we're trying to get, and I think it'd be discussed this. Sometime a while back, about new ideas and stuff, we were on our projects um, with you about the, the game cams and stuff like that. And I do, and people got to realize too here, we try to get what I do personally. I'm mean, keep on saying we. Let me make sure I share my my personal views because I speak for all my team members. Is that my personal views? Like views for people that can't get out in the woods because actually where I worked at, there's people you know they can't. They're in wheelchairs, and, you know, and I have to post all this stuff for them and audios and stuff because they can't get to that stuff. You know, they can't get out there. So I do this a lot of stuff for the, the you know, the elderly people and people with medical problems. I do this for them. I'm their eyes or, you know, their their body to get out there and see these things. So that's why, I don't, you know, I, I see things posted to them more than I do on Bigfoot Ops, unfortunately, on Facebook. As I bring these people, because they get, you know, they they enjoy this stuff, you know, and I don't know what else to say other than that. But that that our goal is is just to get with everybody else, and if anything, try to you know get with other groups collectively, so we can you know share all our information, like you guys, you know, probably even get the word out there, you know, to everybody that collects the same kind of evidence. We rephrase that because we got people just come out and grab this or that and do it correctly. You know, you don't have to be a scientist as I'm trying to prove to everybody else. You don't have to have that PhD in your name because I haven't seen too many out there doing any kind of field research like that. There's a few names, but I think this is going to, you know, us gathering all this information is going to bring more of those people into the field here, and they're going to need people out there collecting that stuff. And that basically, that's basically our goal, so... Does that yeah, make we sense? have... We do have... <laughs> I just kind of ramble on involved. here, so... Yeah, no, no, you're fine. We do have scientists involved in this uh, field of research. We have biologists, uh, different science scientists yeah. involved. Um, do you think down the road we're get? Uh, are you think? Do you think we're we're steering away or gearing up towards getting more people involved in this? Uh, I mean, it's crazy well, to me. Just getting more people involved, you know, in in you know, clicking all kind of techniques and stuff. But is getting you know. We have scientists, but we don't have, like everybody says, this is what I had somebody say to me the other day, and I kind of like shook my head, because he says, well, we had all this stuff, our evidence, who are we going to give this evidence to? Kane, do you know yeah. who you're going to give your evidence to? Are you going to give it to one person? You're going to give it to a panel? That, I said, we don't have a, a panel of scientific minds there to say, yes, this is what it is, or what it isn't. We have people, you know, we have people scattered all over the place, 
thinking totally different, and that's what we're hoping is somebody gets together here, you know, where we can put our common evidence. Basically, right now, I said, I said, all this evidence, and what am I supposed to do with it? I can give it to right. certain doctors. But there's, these people are not all qualified either. That's what I'm looking at, unless you get all these people together, you know. We can right. Say, you know, say beyond a shadow of a doubt, hey, this is the way it is, you know. So you see my point there. As I said, we can, I mean, we know where we send our evidence to, but, I mean, you know, the, the overall evidence to prove anything, there's not many, you know, definite for sure panel out there that can prove anything. So until that right. you know, now, time comes. Yeah, I know you have a ton of uh, track impressions and stuff. Have you found hair that's come up to those you've sent them to kind of unknown? I mean, what other findings have you personally found that are kind of compelling or interesting? Um, the the hair we've had hair. I haven't sent any hair. By matter of fact, I was going to hair just recently. I think I should touch them, but anyway, um, hair in the tracks. I'm trying to think. What do we have here? Uh, we got their audios. We got the tracks. We got something. To, um, I haven't sent anything recently. I know of. <laughs> Maybe one of my team members did, but not that I know of. Um. And I forget the question, but I, I'm sitting around and off. we got somebody bugging me here, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean. What was the question? Uh, yeah, I got somebody, I get distracted because somebody's in your way. Yes. Okay. I'm starting to get them out of my hair here. Okay. No, Sorry. If, if Shane's bothering you, just let me know. Yeah. No, it's I, not I Shane. Tend to it's yet. My <laughs> wife in here just bugging me. They're waving at me. And I go, what are you, you know. It's total distraction. Because, I guess because he, he's hey. not on your talk. I guess he doesn't like it. Hey, dude. Do you want dinner or not? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I can see that your wife has been bugging you a few times during this, I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. I'm going, I'm on the phone. Yeah, thanks. And she looks at her, at her, at her you know, wrist and she taps on it like, oh, yeah, there's a certain time you go to like an hour ago. But good. But, no, there's been many... Um, hair samples out there. Uh, Limb Project has many. There's other groups that, and, and individual researchers and investigators have, uh, as far as hair, hair uh, examples are concerned, um, that have come up just unknown. Um, you know, the nesting area, the bedding area that the mm-hmm. Limb Project work, working with, you know, uh, yes. working on, um, we've got quite a few hair samples that just don't match anything. They match other unknowns. Um, have you come across anything like that or anything compelling to you? No, not on that aspect of it. I will say the word is no. I haven't clicked to that kind of evidence yet. So, you have a multitude of areas, and you name the, those areas. Uh, very uh, military-like, in fact. But you have a multitude yes. of areas. Alpha, uh, Bravo, I mean, how, many, how, how many areas are you working on? It, it's actually all the same areas. It's about seven square miles of area. And what we do is pick up different site areas. We, like I so said, this is through the old grid when we first did, when we first grid out there. Wow. It's almost like it's one square mile. So Charlie happens to be our, our most active. And it's actually not as active now. But Delta is our second. Uh, Alpha is just the way that they're gridded out. And we have to be at Charlie all the time in Delta. We actually have Zebra. We actually have some new areas that we're not releasing because uh, we've had 
um, problems with people sitting in Charlie all the time because they, they know our area. Now, I'm, I'm really open about people coming researching, but it seems to be a lot of people coming out there and just want to have their experiences or whatever, and Charlie's just getting overran now, so we actually have to move because they're cutting down our experience because there's so many people out there all the time now. Right. And that's a mistake is when when you're researching, people want to go on that, but they want to go out and have their own experience so they'll sit in your site all day long and then they'll pound on the trees and then they're leaving food. And they're, you know, we get people out there who want to build little stick figures and then they want to build rocks out there. And I always tell people, if you come into somebody else's area, especially if you, you know, I invite most of the people to come out there with us. I don't ever tell anybody, no, those are really crazy. I give yeah. everybody a chance to to have these experiences. I take people out there so they can have these experiences. You know, I'm, I will say I've had quite a few people out there. They've all had experiences out there. But I rather than do it with us where we can control the environment instead of just running out there in our spot, you know, Doing this, doing that, you know, and and I always tell everybody, don't build anything out there. Don't change anything out there. You know, build stick structures or try to build rock stacks. It's totally ridiculous. Because you've seen a rock fall off the next day, don't mean that's Bigfoot, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, it's if somebody else is going to come out and, and work in your research area, first of all, they should let you know. I mean, that's right. out of respect. But and we have a lot of people not doing that now. Right. So. And, and, I mean, we have protocols for, you know, people that we invite into the – see, you're not just going to come out and, and start doing a bunch of random right. stuff. That, yeah, so. yeah, and that's what but, we do uh, when we have people invited out. But they decide they want to come back out later on and right. they tell their friends. And these friends come in and they start doing all this crazy stuff. and Right. And then we have to, and we, it makes a bit of research because we know what's not supposed to be there. We know what the hoaxing is. We, we've run across most of that stuff already. So we know what to just you know, look at it and say, yeah, good try, you know. But it's just an added nuisance to us. You know, it just destroys our, you know, our research. We have to change our patterns all the time because we get something, you know, actually, like when we were talking about the, the Wildland Project, we were out there, wanted to see how smart they were. You would put a food containers out there and all that kind of stuff. It was working great until somebody come up there and destroyed some of our units. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the only way they well, could have seen these boundaries areas is somebody we've had out there before. So we just kind of like, okay, so we had to stop that and move that project. So, And it just sets us back in our research when we do that, you know. Ben, uh, what are your thoughts on on um, <clears throat> tree structures, uh, territorial markers uh, that may be associated with Sasquatch? Are you a fan of that? Have you found anything that was interesting to you? Well, or? well we have to say that uh, we've seen some things, and actually, uh, like the X's, X formations, um, we've seen that in action. I think when we put our gene cameras out, we see these things pop up out of nowhere. We've actually found, you know, like little tree structures, nothing, not, not these monuments like at the Antillian, but little tree structures out there. Every time we put game cameras out, these things pop up. And we actually had that, when we had a picture of the group up there, we got a, you know, a group picture on our game cam. It said we had all these little structures around it. We had these little exformations and stuff, but we're not there. Because I actually checked the area to make sure we're not seeing anything, you know, out of the ordinary before we put our cameras. 
where we can come back and say, okay, here, this is, you know. But some of these, I can't tell you what these little structures are for because some of these, they don't even make sense. But I, I have taken a lot of pictures. I'll be the first one to say that. I've seen these little things out in the middle of nowhere trying to figure out why they're here. I've seen the rock stacks. I've seen the tree structures. But, you know, little edge formations, you know, I don't call a little egg, you know, two sticks sitting on the ground, you know, laying on the ground saying, oh, that's an egg that's what they put down there. You think they'll just pop up, you know, there, there's no reason for we'll see two trees with a big X pulled up behind our game cameras, you know, and this has happened to us more than once. This is quite a few times, so I have to say there's something to it on that, you know. You're seeing a right. pattern. Yeah. Right. And actually, the X seems to be, and I had to, the only reason we had one of our team members that's in these trees around, around their house, around their property, she's worried about her kids. So since I've seen these things behind the game cams, I told her, you know, they were actually coming up and pounding on the side of her house and everything. Uh, I told her to put these, you know, these X's out there. And, you know, she did that, and she hasn't had a problem anymore. It, it completely went quiet and stopped. And she had this problem going on, you know, every other night. She said they were out there screaming and banging into the house. So I said, if anything, you think squash that that's the case. But it seems to be, you know, it's a sign you you know, on the X part, at least we think, is means don't enter here or don't go by here, you know, because there's a lot of activity stops, you know, when you see these X's pop up, so, around around our game camps, anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, Ben, you know, um, we're down to about six minutes here. We, we don't have oh, a whole wow. lot of time, but where, where do you yeah. see, um, I, I mean, I talked to a lot of people uh, involved in this research, uh, and I, I got to ask you: Are you more into the positive realm of where research is going, or are you more of a negative person where you think it's it's backtracking? Do you think we're going in a positive direction, or do you think that? Oh no, uh, I've seen a lot. I think it's yeah. going a lot farther than we used to. It's it's it's, it's getting more organized. That's what I was trying to go with in the first place. That, yeah. That's what I'm seeing now is a lot of more organization where before it's more chaotic. I mean, I, I stay off the Facebook stuff because you know, or, or the Bigfoot community thing because it gets too chaotic. You know, there's a lot of good right. fighting out there. So, But I, I have noticed that there's more collection of more organization. So I would have yeah. to say well, that's the whole goal, I guess. Well, I would hope. I would hope that's the overall goal. And I, I do see, like you, uh, more organized uh, approach to collaboration and collaborating with individuals and groups. Um, I'm seeing that. I think people are now at the point now where uh, they've collected, I mean, so much data, so, so many scenarios, everything mm-hmm. else, that what do you do with that in the day? Do you keep it to yourself or do you collaborate and build upon that? And then after you collaborate, where, where does that go? And I think that's the... Uh, I think it's a big question. Where does all this data and everything go? Well, we have to get science involved because right now we're a fringe subject, and it's been a fringe subject many, many years. Uh, we made right. made headway uh, multiple times, but it always seems to be um, you make so much headway and then uh, a drop-off, uh, um, a roadblock. Um, but I think what I'm seeing is uh, greater collaboration uh, amongst individuals and groups involved in the subject, and science. Uh, it's a slow, tedious process. People want 
want this stuff like on on the platter here and now, but uh, it's never going right. to be that way, unfortunately. Uh, no. But I agree with you. I think uh, I, I I see I, for me personally, great time to be involved with the subject. I think we're making headway, and I think there's great things down the road here. I'm I'm excited about it. Well, I'm excited about the organization. I'm really excited about it. Is, is that you see all these different organizations growing, right? But they always seem to have a goal. And it says once you get all these organizations together, I think we're going to make really ground, you know, ground moving experience here. Is that people will be moving a lot more, you know, a lot faster forward? Is what I'm thinking. I think as well, everybody gets off, you know, the high horse because that's all I heard in the past is individuals. You, you know, you have the young these guys are great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't take anything from me. But they were individuals, where, you know, like minds. I mean, these guys worked hard out there. They deserved anything. But, you know, like you said, there's a lot of guys that died never, you know, having experiences or anything like that. That's the point. We don't want it to die. We want it to, you know, people to get together. I mean, people sit here and fight all day or not, you know, they don't want to accept this thing. But they got to get some kind of common, a common goal. Everybody gets the common goal. I think we're going to get our goal. That's the whole point. I mean, that's what they teach in the military, too. Right. At at uh, Beachfoot, uh, our friend Larry and Jason Aikman of from uh, the Share Project uh, presented about uh, that very subject about creating a uh, not not another organization, but one addressing the issue of having a panel of of experts, mm-hmm. um, and two uh, the the creating a, a way for the individual groups to maintain their autonomy, but, but uh, be able to share information. Uh, because I personally, that's been my experiences in the, with the Tillamook group, our greatest um, growth comes when we share information with other groups. I mean, that with, right. we, we hooked, we hooked up with you guys, they put offs, the Olympic project, um, mm-hmm. other individuals and some other groups. And, and it, you, you get confirmation of, of of are you having this you know experience in your area and, right. and you do you a lot of times we are finding that there is consistency between what we find in our area and and what other folks find in in areas that come you know you got this pile of of interesting information and it it's ridiculous oh that's going on in my area you know right yeah, but it's ridiculous but it's Way more yeah. difficult to move forward when when your each group is is working completely uh, on their own without sharing information. So, um, yeah. kudos to 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 you and Bigfoot Ops because you guys are one of those groups that that share and and uh, collaborate. Hey, excuse me, collaborate they can with call other me groups. anytime. My number's right. on there. It should be on my thing. So. Anybody can call me anytime with any kind of questions. I don't care. You know, if they even have some answers, I'd like to hear on some things, you know. This won't get crazy. <laughs> but we, we try to dress everything as a professional, and that's what I – and the truck trends is what I say. Is that's the real, we like to call ourselves professionals, not experts, but we like to be professional researchers, and that's the way we like to address things is at is, is a professional level, you know. That way we have everything sure. disciplined and everything in order, just like you guys. We like – Teach you guys as professionals. You guys are not just researchers; you're professional researchers. That's what we like to call you. Yeah, not your. Well, Ben, yeah, I don't know ben we're just. It does me. Oh, absolutely, yep. Ben. We're just about out of time. We we could go on for another couple of hours, I think. But yeah, we'll have I to hope get back not. Again. Yeah, I'm going to now think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
we we appreciate you, you joining us today. And uh, for everybody that's uh, listening, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Ben Freed of Big But Offs and my good friend Shane Corson for being here today. And uh, we will be back next Sunday with a new episode of Monster X Radio. Thanks, everybody. Right, thank we'll you, see Jeff. you then. Thanks, you man. Bet. All right. Have a good day. All right. Good evening, Ben.